Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. I was already excited for this episode, and then Bluegrass CJ over here decided to pop up with the sunglasses. So I know we are going to be in for a good one. That's, of course, if you're if you're watching on YouTube, you see the sunglasses. If you're listening to this, well, I mean, thank you for listening, by the way. But yeah, Bluegrass CJ, the sunglasses are back, so th- you must be in a mood, sir. It's a Monday morning mood, man. Like, sometimes you got to talk yourself into it. Here we go. Let's go, my friend. It's a really fun way of approaching Monday morning. So, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with Mondays. I know a lot of people are all like, oh, Mondays are a tough start to week. I'm just happy to, to work. I'm just happy to just do stuff. But you you have a very unique approach to the start of a week. Did you know that today is four di- weeks from the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs? Like four weeks from now, we'll be doing a show, good Lord willing, and we're going to be talking about playoff games being played that night. Like that – I can't actually put my head around. It's funny, like the season, it goes like slow and then it goes fast. You know what I mean? Like it's both things at once. And, and right now it feels like it's been fast. So that's yeah. awesome. And, and as I think we've established on our podcast and I know other people around the NHL have, like there's no, I mean, yes, we bet on Florida. Yes, Colorado looks really good. <laughs> yes, we but... put our money on Florida. We're all in on the bet. <laughs> but there's no, like it really could come from anybody. In terms of who's the actual contending team, who's a legit Stanley Cup playoff team, who's who could surprise us in the first round. You say it yourself. We could be in for some upsets. And believe you me, when it comes time for us to go through each series, like I want you to predict an upset and, and stay true to that word. We didn't plan for this, but let's do a complete list of teams we could see winning the Stanley Cup. Let's do right it right now. Let's do so, it right now. There's clearly no debate, I don't think, about like there's no controversy if we put Tampa, Florida, Carolina in there. So those are three teams. So Tampa, Florida, Carolina, three Eastern Conference teams. Surprised you didn't just go straight for Colorado to start. Okay. I'm going East first. This is the way my brain's working this morning. So then I think we can probably put Toronto and Boston in there. You So you believe in – here's the thing. I know I've thrown in Toronto in there, right? in the past and past episodes or whatever, but considering the likely path they're in where they're probably going to run up on a really good Atlantic team. Do you think there's still enough to be considered in that echelon? For sure. Like my point is, okay, I'm not predicting they're going to win the Stanley cup. No, you're not. I'm merely saying clear, but, but like we're, we're making complete list of teams. We actually believe can do it. Okay. Toronto is on that list. There's no doubt about it. Like look at the lease right now. I'm pretty sure they've lost one game since January where the other team scored three goals. Like basically if they get anywhere near average goaltending, they win. Like seriously, look at their winning percentage. They've got shit goaltending for two months. I'm not saying every game, but like just brutal goaltending and they're still winning at like a 105 point pace since January. So no, you're, you're not wrong. Again, you are not wrong. My point is, I'm not saying I like them better than Tampa or Florida, but mm-hmm. maybe they get a goalie that gets hot and, and it won't be that huge of a surprise. So I'm putting Toronto and Boston in there. That's five in the East. Do we want okay. any of the other Metro teams? Like, do we want a Pittsburgh, a Rangers or a Washington? Like, well, can they I, win the cup? 
I, 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 here's the thing, like Pittsburgh Penguins, I know the goaltending let them down last year. And, I, and we've mentioned it as well. Like there's a last dance element to this team. They have Sidney Crosby, who we've completely undervalued throughout this board of the year, having one of his better seasons, of course, and, and of getting Malkin and all that. Like I can't, you can't ever forget about the Pittsburgh Penguins and the New so York are we Rangers. Put all eight Easter conference teams in our, in the Stanley cup possibility. But that's but that's the whole point. There are so many teams that are legitimately good and fine. There are teams that kind of vary from Stanley Cup contender on down, but it could really come from anywhere. I, I think I, I really think I don't have a problem putting Pittsburgh. I don't have a problem putting the Rangers in there. Um, yeah, like I, I think there are some legit teams even beyond the obvious ones in the East that like you, you just can't sleep on because they might have enough to go on a run. Just that's how bonkers the Stanley Cup playoffs can truly be. Like we, we just came off a season where a team that had no business even making the playoffs pushed through a bunch of teams and made to the Stanley Cup final. Of course, I'm going to consider the Pittsburgh Penguins as a cup contending team. Absolutely. Right. So then when we go West, I mean, Colorado and, and Calgary, I think are relatively obvious as, as yes. in this group. I mean, can we put Edmonton in there? I don't know. I don't know, but I'll say this. We labeled them a pretender earlier in the year when we did that show. We we took a lot of heat, so I kind of feel like we got to lean in on that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, my brother. You're the one who called them a pretender. I'm the one who just asked you a question. You're the one who took the heat. It wasn't my – those were your labels. I was just saying I didn't see them as a – And you used them to call them a pretender. I was just the dude who just chilled. You You radioed me, you jerk. You radioed me. I did not radio you for a damn minute. You could have easily said they were a contending team. You well, could have said it. If you're going to do that. You could have said it. You got to be honest. You got to be honest. To be honest, own it. Absolutely. Don't be like, oh, I live with a pretender at all. I got to think about that. Like, no, you did. You did. You radioed own it. You, radioed. you own it. Own your words, CJ. You labeled them a pretender, and you know what? You were right. You as soon as you said that, they went on like their worst slide of the year. And you you had a point because they did not look like a team that was genuinely built for the playoffs. And I think you still have a point. Yes, they're in a playoff position right now, but own it. I think you should still own it because I think you have a legitimate point with the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know if I trust them in the Stanley Cup playoff series. Let's move along. I'm adding Minnesota to this list. Minnesota should be there. Absolutely. Especially them. They're sneaky, man. Absolutely. And they need this to go well with the cap hell they're going to put themselves through over the next few years. They need this. And Vegas is on that list if they make the playoffs, but they might miss the playoffs. So yeah, <laughs> that's funny, man. You know, I thought about this. Jack Eichel was in Buffalo all those years and never made the playoffs. And he gets yeah. traded to Vegas thinking, okay, he'll finally make the playoffs. And now there's a chance he doesn't. Nuts. It's so cool. I'm sending a text. I never do this That's during the show. But... I don't know about that. I think you do. <laughs> I, I don't do it that much, though. That's true. You don't do it that much. And, and look, you're a busy dude. So, like, it's not – I don't take offense to that. Because you're probably, I, like, breaking a trade or a big story or something like that. That's that's the thing I, I realized when we were we said, all right, we're going to do this show. That was one of the things that in my head I was like, okay, that's going to genuinely happen. Like, I'm surprised to this point it has not happened yet where we do a show and you're just like, okay, I literally need to like break off because some big story is about to happen. And then I'm like sitting in the zoom for like 30 minutes. But this is the truth is, is I, I actually don't look at my phone often during the show, like on purpose. Like I want to be here. You know what I mean? I've actually gotten better at that with age in general. Like I, 
I don't, uh, I don't look at my phone in bed. I just like lots of things. Like I just, I sort of establish ground rules in my life. Otherwise you can live on this thing forever. So, so to wrap up that uh, impromptu segment at the beginning, uh, I did not have a pen around me, so I was not able to like run and, and take the notes down. Oh, I think we put down eight Eastern conference teams and three in the West. Okay. But like Colorado, Minnesota, Calgary, um, Calgary is in there. Those are the three really good teams in the, in the West. Like give LA credit. Like they're, like they're having a great season. They're comfortably in a playoff spot. I just, I don't think that they're yet, there yet. Like I'm not putting them at that list. Um, I mean, St. Louis, are we sleeping on St. Louis a bit? I don't know. I, I don't know about St. Louis. I don't have I any mean, like grand thoughts on St. Louis. Like I'm not against them or for them. I'm just kind of like, hmm, that's a like team that's in the league. They've done it before, but in years past, years since then, I'm not sure they've given me enough reason to think they could do it again. I just think the rest of the West, or at least those three teams, even if they win a round or two, it might be too strong for them. I don't know. Well, let's be honest. As much as we're talking about like how open this is, like I'm almost expecting Colorado to just like march to the cup final. Like maybe that's unfair or, or unreasonable, but like I even love all these Daryl Sutter quotes. Like every week, it's just like we better not play Colorado. We're gonna get our asses kicked. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, but I don't know. This Colorado this year. I was actually talking about with a friend uh, over the weekend. He's a big Avalanche fan, and he is actually approaching this with dread. Like he's seen well, yeah. the aval he's he's seen the avalanche fail at so many turns before, and he almost kind of expects them to stumble like again, even though this is like the best avalanche team we've seen in a while, and they should go to the Stanley Cup final. But we also said that about them last year as well. Well, hockey is a game played with a piece of rubber on ice, so shit happens, man. Like it's it's like the whole game is trying to control everything and you can't control it. Like the point is we could sit here and say, this team should go to the cup final. This team should win around. That's not how it works. Like you gotta, there's just like a lot. I mean, that's what, that's why it makes our hearts dance because it's like, it's so crazy. Right. So, I mean, it, it's going to be crazy. I actually think that this is probably why it's a good year to be a Leafs fan. Cause I don't think anyone here around me in this city is like that. I mean, people are excited. Don't get me wrong. Austin Matthews, mm-hmm. but like, Everybody that's a hardcore fan that I know is just like, they're just waiting to like have another knife inserted right through their chest. And maybe this is the year that something goes a little different because I think if they went around, it'll be, it'll flip one. It'll be crazy. People will be like, ah, of course they went around. Like it's been one of the best teams in the league for five years that, that they've lost a few key games. So I damn right. They're in the Stanley cup conversation. So, so here's something I want to bring up. Because at different points in the year, whenever you bring up the Leafs and their expectations, uh, you bring up that, I think, you from the vantage point of management, they do not see this year as an all-in year. They do not see it as the year where they have to make everything work. I, as an outsider, I always thought this year they have to win a round. They do not need to go to the conference final or even win the Stanley Cup. This year, the Leafs need, for their sake, they need to win a round. Like, they cannot go into next year with the weight of the world behind them, and they have not won a round. Like, that's, I think that's so much pressure for everyone in that organization to deal with, and they would make it infinitely better on themselves if they found a way to win a round this year. Even if, it, especially oh, in this okay. case, if they're going to go up against a good team, like, the that's going to do wonders for them. If they knock off a Tampa, for example, in the first round, do you know how excited everyone would be? I mean, of course you would. Yeah. We're going to have to like, like put wood on our windows in case there's like riots in the street. I mean, it'll be crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> but like, 
here's the thing. You have to separate kind of like there's the story, right? There's the story about a team and then there's like the reality. And I think you have to look at things plainly sometimes. I, like, I understand why fans, the fans get wrapped up in the story and the emotions. Like that's what makes fandom fun. But like the truth is like, just look objectively. Like Austin Matthews, he's on pace for 60 goals and 100 points. That's been done once since 1995. Once. Alex Ovechkin, 07-08. Like he's mm-hmm. literally having a generational season. That's never happened. Mitch Marner is, is a player the Leafs have never, ever, ever had in 100 years of history. So, and they're young. Like Austin's 24. And, and so, yeah, he doesn't get till 34 where he's going to be that dominant but he'll probably be dominant at 25 or 26. Like, I think that's reasonable. And so if you're Leafs management, as long as Austin Matthews is under contract to you, which is two years beyond this, that's the window, in my opinion. And so, of course, they want to vanquish all the ghosts. They want to win a round. They want to win four rounds. They want to mm-hmm. parade that Stanley Cup down Bay Street. But mm-hmm. if it doesn't happen this year, they still have next year with one of the best players on earth, and a guy who does something that almost no one else in the league does, like the way he, he creates everything. So I think that that's the window. I mean, look, it's not forever, though. I'm talking two years beyond this one. And, and, and look, at we're going to devote a whole season of these podcasts to like, will Austin Matthews sign in Toronto? What's going on with this contract? Oh, yeah. yeah I can't wait for those I mean, episodes. We, we, it's, it's actually pointless to get into it now because he can't sign even if he wants to. And it's, it's purely speculative. But like, we're not far off that conversation. But my point is, anyway, while he's under contract, there's just... There's no question. Look, we didn't even talk about it. I went to the game on Thursday last week with my dad. Yes. Yes. How, the, how the, cool uh, is that, man? It was that was so, so cool. cool. They put that us on so TV. Cool. Of course, the one minute I'm looking at my phone, we're on TV. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It ended up being a fun meme. I remember like you were trying to message, like, how do we turn this into a meme? And it ended up being a, a meme for like a night. Was I, know. I was like, Steve Dangle, I'm going to give you my passwords. I don't know how to put this video on my Instagram. Please help me. Did your dad enjoy the night and his birthday? Mm-hmm. He had people coming up to wish him happy birthday at the game. That's awesome. That and you know what's awesome. fun? A few people came up and said they love the podcast. Like, how well, cool that's is good. That? that? I mean, you, you're, you look, the podcast is pretty successful. I'd argue myself. So, uh, of course, people are going to do that. It's cool to hear that, though. Like, it sounds weird, but, like, I feel like you know, it's Monday morning, right? It's like you, me, yeah. and producer Nick on a Zoom. Like, sometimes you don't connect this with like people out there actually listening. Like it sounds strange. Like we don't do live performance. Right. So like, I don't know who's listening. Like Adam Wilde says, Hey, this is going okay, but I don't really know. Like it feels, feels like me, you and producer Nick on a Monday morning talking about hockey. So Um, sometimes you got to go into this. It's funny because sometimes I go into stuff like this thinking I'm talking to like one person, like, okay, this podcast is for this person. I'm just thinking of and that's just it. When I did, when I used to do weather, I used to always think, okay, my grandma's watching this and that's the only person I'm thinking of. So it's funny you think that, but like, yeah, it's, you never know who's really listening, but sometimes it's just good to just kind of focus on one person and that'll kind of get you through a recording. But I know it's kind of blending two things, but yeah, it, it's not that far off from what you're thinking. Well, and that was my first NHL game in the stands where I wasn't eating edibles beforehand in like five years. Well, thank so, God. It was my first sober experience at an NHL game in the stands in, in a long, long time. And it was so, it was just cool to sit among, it's funny. Cause like, <clears throat> I think rightly so, but Toronto gets criticized for like not being allowed building, but it feels louder when you're in the seats. Like when you're around people that are actually excited, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of more part of it. Like the, our, our section had this guy who was 
getting a 50 chance started every time Austin was on the ice before he scored his 50th. And like, it just, I don't know. It was just really neat to be relaxed at a game. I'm not thinking, what am I writing after? What do I have to ask the coach or this or that? And, and obviously to be there with my dad was special. So that, that was, it was a really cool experience. The game was seven to three. So the goals were raining from the sky, which is always, I think that's fun. Like we can all pretend we, we, we love the fine art of a one, nothing game, but like, come on, we're, we're all like, well, look, there's probably been a time where one nothing was a good game, but but most of the time it sucks. 7-3 is way more fun, just in general, as a score. Like, the Leafs were down 2 nothing in that game after, like, five or seven minutes or whatever. And they came back and won 7-3. So, like, if you're at the game, it just – there's goals everywhere. I don't know. It was, it was a great night, and I'm really glad we went. Did you see this tweet from Mark Lazarus uh, Monday morning? Point per game players in the NHL by season. If from like 2011, 2012 to now. So like in 20, I'm just going to read upward. 2011, 2012, there were nine point per game players in the NHL season. Then going up, you have 20, then 13, three straight seasons of eight, then 24, 32, 22 over the last two seasons. Any guesses as to how many point per game players there are in the NHL as we're recording? I haven't seen this, but I'll give you the context for my guess. I, I was doing my inside the NHL column for North Star Bets yesterday, and I noticed Elias Lindholm is a point-per-game player for Calgary, and he was something like 40th in scoring overall. So I'm going to guess 45. 46. You were one oh off. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That <laughs> is incredible. Vegas, Let's go. Let's ride wow. it That is well done. That is well done. 46. As of right now, there are 46 point-per-game players in the National Hockey League, which I mean, is the most maybe the league has ever seen. It's one thing to say, okay, this is the highest scoring we've seen in the league since 95-96. How many times in their history have they had 46 point-per-game players? I mean, you have to go all the way back. Yeah, you have to go in the 80s. Like in the 80s, Absolutely. everybody started with 20 points. Yes. So you already had 20 points when you started the season. So that's why everyone had a, like 180-point seasons in the 80s. But Okay. I want to keep on the theme of goals. Like, I don't even know second. what to do with that, CJ. Let's move on. Let's just move. That's just a lot because you know you didn't live I in the eighties, bud. So you don't even know about it. Let me tell you a thing or two. I always, I always said if because I always, I always get very wary of people like, man, I wish I could go back in time and experience a different era. Let's just say for me, there are not too many points in history I want to go back to. There's only one I would really want to go back to that I haven't lived through. It would be the eighties. I think like I would be like a big like Bo Jackson kid. And just like oh, I don't know, watching that I super sports Bo show, Jackson. I love yeah. Bo Jackson. I love Bo Jackson. And the '80s were the height of Lemieux and Gretzky. And, yes. and I, like, we're dating ourselves. I, most of our audience just like they know those guys are in the Hall of Fame. They don't know them, but it was a pretty exciting time to be a kid because you had these like two amazing, like insanely good players. And and it was a real argument back then about which was better and all that stuff. Uh, it was really easy to understand, I guess, and and it was awesome. Man. So the 80s, that would be the era for me to go back if I had a time machine, if I even wanted to do that, because uh, I'm not really interested in going back. Well, further. Jackson played in the NFL and Major League Baseball. Like I was just a kid. At the same like, time. <sighs> you, 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 ever, you, got, you obviously got to watch those bow nose commercials. Yeah. And he also he broke a baseball bat over his knee once. And like With his knee. Yeah. yeah. He's do you remember that? Remember that one play? Like he makes the catch and he like runs along the wall. And then hops off. Yeah. Like this is our history corner. I know Adam Wild likes his history corner. Kids, 
Go look up Bo Jackson. This guy was insane. If you've never heard of him, start First, Googling him. Like two sport athlete and just still one of the biggest, mar- greatest marvels in terms of athleticism we've ever seen. I know Deion Sanders came after and, you know, Deion Sanders is prime time for a reason. But before Deion, we had Bo Jackson. But anyway. The early um, 90s were lit, too. Like, they, for me, they yeah. carry over to the 80s. Like, like 91, 92, even 93, like the Jays win the World Series. Like, that feels like 80s to me. But, like, it was like it was so cool. As a kid, and the Jays won the World Series two years in a row. Like, I, it was nuts. Anyway, I didn't have much of a life. Like, I just love sports, right? Yeah, of course. That, that, that's, a, that's a good reason why this podcast is doing so well and why we both get along on this podcast. We both right, like, love sports. I can't tell you anything else that happened in those years. I mean, yeah, there was a Gulf War or something, but forget that. The Jays won the World Series. Awesome. I was born, I think, three months uh, after the 94 baseball strike began. I was, oh, no, sorry. Shit. Wait, no, it was three months before. Three months before the strike began because I was born in April. Uh, and then... Or maybe I have my numbers wrong. Who knows? No, Dude, August is the seventh. I'd already eight. scored three goals in no, 21 eight. seconds before you were born. Uh, <laughs> four <laughs> months, actually, because April. You got a birthday coming up. I do have a birthday coming up, actually, uh, in a matter of days, actually. I can't wait to celebrate. I feel in fact, like you've been, been celebrating all month. month already. Like, what's going on? That's, here's the thing, because uh, on my actual birthday, uh, the Canadians are playing that day. So yeah. I know I'm going to have to watch that game. Uh, I took that day off from like editing and stuff, but uh, we will be recording a CJ show on that day. Like, are you going to be able to do that? I mean, yeah, of course. I figured your celebrations would be tied up. Your schedule would be full with these meetings. And Here's the thing, man. Tequila shots at 9 a.m. And I don't know about shots at 9 a.m. At 9 a.m., I'll, you know, maybe I have to tell my dad, hey, you know, just hold off on the birthday wishes for a moment. But like, don't worry about it. He might have done it at like 830. I'm waiting for like my grandmother on my dad's side to call me in the morning and then be like, hey, happy birthday, you know. And then after I finish the podcast, we'll see how the rest of the day goes and taking all the birthday wishes and all the phone calls and emails and messages and stuff and just being around the folks here and, you know, just enjoying a special day. Are you someone who gets stressed out by birthdays? Like, do you find like the numbers getting too big? Does that give you like anxiety or anything like that? Nah, I, I feel the opposite. I want to get older. I want to experience like what it's like to get older and to, yes, there's going to be like, you know, literal growing pains and, and whatnot, but like, I'm just thankful for all the experiences and the opportunity to live life. Like I want to be 28 years old. I don't, I'm not one of those people like, Oh God, I'm going near 30 and I don't know what to do in my life. I know what I'm doing in my life and I know where I want to go. So I want to get to that. I mean, I'm not rushing to get to stuff, but it's like, okay, like this is the next year. This is, right. this is the next opportunity for me to just live and just go through everything, man. Like that's, that's how I see it. And the truth is it beats the alternative. Cause if you don't get to the next year, something bad's happened. So, you know, yeah. you got to celebrate those years as they go by. Exactly. Okay. So we have rails today. I'm sorry. We just that's I have, like, fine. hijacked the show with nonsense. That is fine. Um, I want like, to anything or are we just going to sit here and bullshit? No, 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 no. I, I planned stuff. I, I specifically planned stuff, but I'm, I'm actually going to do a small tweak because you mentioned Austin Matthews and we'll leave the Trevor Zegris uh, debacle, which I, I foresaw as something that was going to take up most of our time on the podcast today towards the end before we get to ask CJ. But because you mentioned Austin Matthews, I wanted to ask you this question. Which of these accomplishments in the last how many days 
is the most impressive to you and take out the element, the personal element of your dad in this, because yeah, I know, because, yeah. because I know that will, could influence you here, but Austin getting 50, a uh, dry getting 50 and cracking a hundred points or Jonathan Huberto breaking the franchise record for Panthers points in the season after breaking the record for most assists by a left winger in a season. And I know maybe they vary in terms of records on top of one another, but those three players, they're going to be in the heart trophy conversation. They're going to be in the respective Rocket Richard and not Art Ross conversation. We're going to be talking a lot about Dreisaitl, Huberto, Huberto, I should say, and uh, Austin Matthews over the next little while. Like you're, you can't really say one is better than the other. That's fair. That's, that's not how milestones work, but it's got to be Dreisaitl because this is his third 50 goal season. He's had a couple second, seasons anyway. His second 50 goal season. So like, 50 goals to me is the ultimate NHL milestone. I think it's the hardest one to hit. If you look historically, like the last 10 years, almost nobody, I mean, Ovechkin's done it a whole bunch, but other than that, there's like, you know, Corey Perry does it one year, but like there's not like a long list of guys who get there. And so to get multiple of those things under your resume, that's, I, I put that up there, but then that's sort of unfair to Matthews because he would, this would be his third 50 goal season if any of the last two seasons were close to a full year. So you know, it's, I probably got to say dry saddle though there, but look, they're all amazing accomplishments. Those are three players having tremendous years. I don't know how we're going to account. Like the, if I can have some beef with the NHL, like oh, why okay, is the, on, trophy, the player adjudged to be the most valuable to his team? Like that's what it says. Like, how do we evaluate that when you have dry saddle and McDavid on the same team? Cause I don't want to, I'm not hating on either of them, but it, it just, it makes it muddy. Right. Because it almost feels like you can't vote for one in a way because it's like they're both so ridiculous. I don't know. We need like a we got to go to like most outstanding player or something something like that. That's more. That's just more clear. And then and then look, then you can judge between two guys on the same team and be like, hey, McDavid's still the like Drysdale. You had an awesome year, but McDavid's got to win. I just feel like it gets muddy where it is in hockey. CFL, the Canadian Football League, great league. They have it right when it comes to. Uh, just evaluating or giving voters an uh, opportunity to evaluate the best player in the league. There's no, you know, uh, second definition with valuable or people misinterpreting the definition. Most outstanding player. Who's the best player? Yeah. It's it's straightforward. I mean, that, and it should be what we're measuring when you think about it, or who had the best season even like who, who had the best season in this season? Like, so my point is, if you vote for Austin Matthews this year, it doesn't mean you think he's necessarily better than Connor McDavid, but you could be voting he had a better season than Connor McDavid. I mean, that, that you could argue, you could make that argument. Um, Maybe players are coming out soon, bud. We haven't got there yet, but like soon we're going to actually, like, this is going from the the sort of the thing we talk about on the pod, like something we actually have to vote on. Like, it's going to be crazy. Are you, uh, I forgot, I think I asked you already if you're able to reveal who you're going to put on your ballot for, if, you, if you'd be willing to do that on, on a future podcast, either before, sure. or I guess you'd only do it after. I'm not sure how it would work. Yeah, like I think that they want us to kind of be somewhat secretive about it, but like who listens to this podcast anyway? We'll just put it out there. Uh, we, we just went off a whole thing about how people <laughs> listen to this, but no sarcasm. I should have tracked the sarcasm. Um, between Austin, Dreisaitl, like, and like Hugh Beldo. Yes. Between Austin, Dreisado, and Huberto, who makes right now, because I know who you've stood on in the past, and I want to know if it changes, who between those three players makes the best case 
for the Hart Trophy. This doesn't necessarily mean you think they are the winner of the Hart Trophy, but between Austin, Dreisaitl, and Huberdeau, who makes the best case to be the Hart Trophy winner under the parameters that we have now and not the ones that we would more desire to have? Austin Matthews. Not even a question for me. I mean, he's got 44 goals in his last 46 games as we're recording this. He does. The last guy to do that was named Mario Lemieux. You might have heard of him. There's statues of him all over the world because he's outrageous. Like, he's walking among the greats, Austin. This is a season, I think he'll have trouble topping the season, just my opinion, in future years. Like, he's set the bar so high this year, it's pretty crazy. So, he would get my vote of those three players right now. He, He doesn't have as great as Mitch Marner is. Marner didn't have a great season for a lot of the year. Like, like this is... Scoring a goal in the NHL is about the hardest thing you can do. And and he makes it look easy. So I think he's the one. Um, but I'm not saying he's going to win. Like, Shesterkin's got to get in there at some point in this conversation. McDavid's got to be factoring that. Like, I, I I would still lean to McDavid over Dreisaitl if I'm voting for one Euler. But again, the freaking trophy, like, handcuffs us. The way it's, it's described. Like, I, maybe we'll come to some resolution here. Like, maybe you can consult me on the vote. Like, I don't know how to handle it. And, and I want to, like, I take the voting really seriously because, like, this is reflected in history, man. Like, it matters, like, if McDavid wins three or four or five or six or ten of these things. Um, and I want to be fair, right? You want to you want to be as neutral as you can be, and you want to look objectively at the facts. Um, but, yeah, I, I here's the thing. Player most valuable to his team, Alexander Barkov is more valuable to the Florida Panthers than Jonathan Huberto. And that's not – that's, that's not fair. hating on him. That's not like that's not. Nope. I'm not getting into a Dom Allen Walsh beef here. I'm staying clear of that. But like strictly by the definition of the rule, and Huber's having an awesome season, but he's got a lot of assists. Defensive metrics aren't maybe where you want to see them. I think Austin's having the most complete season among those players. That's a fair argument to have, and you're totally entitled to that. Would you ever be open, and you would never do this, but I still want to ask it anyway. Would you ever be open to having members of Discord, of the SDPN Discord, help influence your ballot? <laughs> sure. Not influence, but I'm curious for your opinions. Like, why not? Okay. I, I day, I'm not kidding. I take days to fill out that ballot. Okay. All right. Maybe we can like, work something out then. I thought you would have said no about this, but maybe there's some way we could do this where we're like, hey, if you are a fan of the SDPN Discord, suggest who should win each award category and may and give your reason i don't know yeah just just give your Make own argument give me something yeah. to think about because here's the thing at the end of the day it's my name on the ballot right and and it goes it actually goes down in history like i think at some point all these will will forever be made public and that's fine like i'm comfortable with that so i have to be comfortable with the choices right like but i'm open to anyone's opinion I'm just saying like i'm not this isn't going to be like popular fan vote now i'm voting this guy for the norris because Roman Yossi won a poll on Twitter. Like, I mean, I won't, whoever I put number one, two, three, four, five there is, I'm going to believe in it, but I'm open to all arguments, thoughts, what have you, and before I finalize those votes. Okay. I have an idea that I'm going to get going on as soon as we finish recording. You see these player polls that go around. I think we should poll fans of the show who are obviously big hockey fans, obviously watching the Steve Dangle podcast, the Age of Provocateur podcast. Noxie and Cax, shout out to Cax, by the way, uh, doing her thing at the PWHPA showcase. Uh, Berkshire and I got to check that out over the weekend. 
uh, doing her thing with Team Harvey's in Montreal. Just had to give that brief shout out. But I think it'd be cool to actually see what the fans of the show on Discord would, you know, who they would vote for for each of the ballots. And I guess maybe we'd have to do it to a point closer to the end of the season to get more accurate votes. But that's something I think we should actually we should actually do. We should actually do an episode on. Love it. Love your. All right. Perfect. Um, Let's get to the big story of the NHL weekend. And I know you're you're hopped up. You're excited. You're 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 amped up. So I'm ready to get you in this. The Trevor Zegras, Tyson Nash debacle, Troy Terry, all these other actors involved in what should have been a nothing game between the Anaheim Ducks and the Arizona Coyotes. You may have seen the Trevor Zegras lacrosse style goal, which remarkable. The fact that he has a Michigan, uh, a Michigan in stride, and then that one against Arizona, like, Dude might still not even be nominated for a Calder Trophy, considering how good the other rookies are this year. But he has a legitimate case to be nominated for a Calder Trophy off of the amazing goals he scored alone. So that happens, and then later on in the game, plus uh, what he did at the All Star game, which plus I know doesn't the really game. count, but it's like this guy is like insane. Like he's he possesses that it factor, he right? Has it. He he absolutely has it. Whatever it is, he's got it. It, absolutely. So to see him in a needless scrum with Jay Beagle, oh, sorry, he wasn't in with Jay Beagle. Jay Beagle found Troy Terry and eventually tried for whatever reason, just because he just got his feelings hurt over a lacrosse style goal or whatever, decides he's going to make Troy Terry the object of his fist and starts pummeling him and actually badly damages his face, which I don't know that 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 enraged me as, as just a fan of the game. I don't think we need stuff like that. And then Trevor Zegers, uh, and uh, I think uh, I, I'm sure you've seen the clip. Uh, oh, yeah. I know I've seen the clip calling out Jay Beagle in the post game. Wouldn't say his name though. Wouldn't say wouldn't his name. Say his clip. name, but thinks it's a he should be effing suspended for That's what he did. Elite level shade though, not saying his name. I mean, the fact that Trevor Zegers was willing to go there, that's not something I see enough NHL players do. I see that in other leagues, but to see Trevor Zegers do that, to me, I was like, I love the fact Trevor Zegers did that. We need more guys like him to call out. I mean, it's one thing to, to say, you know what, we need for the entertainment aspect of, of the game and, and all that. But if it's one thing to say we don't want any type of this thuggery in our game for the skill players, for these guys to step up and say, like, this is a ridiculous thing to have happen. That is something that really perked up my attention. This is going to be a short discussion because I just don't see another side to the story. Like, I don't see a, I, I can't like just for fun take like, oh, Jay Beagle should have punched his face in. Like, there's no, it's so obviously stupid. This is this is actually what I think of when I see that Zegers quote and, and, and that, that interview. Change is coming from the bottom up in the NHL right now. Like at the top, like we just went to those GM meetings, right? It's like, we can't even pretend officiating's a problem or we can't pretend some of this stuff with, with player safety. Like, I think that the change is going to come from the players forcing the league into it versus the other way around. I don't think it's going to be a league mandate. Like all of a sudden, let's protect the guys who are putting us on the highlights, who are putting us all over your Instagram accounts and every other TikTok uh, thing that's that's reaching a new audience. I mean, that's what Trevor Zegers is. Trevor Zegers represents something that, that can like get this sport to a new place. Like there are kids out there that are playing hockey. They're in their street. They're, they're, they're going to the rink and they're trying to do lacrosse goals now. 
And and it's not that I think the lacrosse school in and of itself is going to save the sport, but I think it's he's igniting something in imagination of people. And so that should be protected at all costs. I don't, I don't, again, I don't see any other argument here. And and there's still like these elements of old hockey culture that have to be kind of rooted out and stamped out. And I don't blame just Jay Beagle for that. Like he grew up in that system. That's that's how it gets there. But like, I mean, fighting is more or less out of the game now. You know, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I watch a lot of hockey games. I haven't seen a fight in a long time. I know this is the odd one here and there still, but you know, in the eighties, let me tell you, my friends, there was a lot of fighting in those games. And so anyway, everything is changing, evolving and more, I think more of the players, if they want, if they feel as eager does, should speak out because again, they're going to force a change from the bottom up. And, and I think that's the way it's going to have to go. And I think it's, I think it will get there too. Honestly, I really do believe that, that this will permeate the sport because it's already, again, it's already sort of happening, but it was, I mean, it was farcical the way that all went down. It was stupid. Two teams way out of the playoff. Like it just, it made no sense. Made no sense. The only thing we should have been talking about after that game was the Zegra school, not this stuff. And and on top of that, there's the Coyotes broadcast where uh, color commentator Tyson Nash, I'll just read the quote that everyone's just kind of, you know, blown up. That's the problem with these young players. You want to embarrass guys. You want to skill it up. You better be prepared to get punched in the mouth. And I'll add that Tyson Nash on a, on a podcast with Craig Morgan tried to clarify his words and say that I should, he said he shouldn't have said skill it up. He should have said hot dogging. And I think he tried to make the point that after the lacrosse goal, the ducks were smirking at the coyotes and were basically trying to like showboat and all that. You ever see the clarification where someone tries to make it better and they make it worse for themselves. That always happens, that's a, man. Just give them a shovel and keep digging. That's basically how I feel Tyson Nash handled that whole clarification situation. What did you think of what Tyson Nash had to say? Yeah, I, it speaks for itself, honestly. Like it, it's the whole thing. It just it wasn't a good look. It wasn't good for the league. No, that's fair. So Sorry, I just like I don't have any deep thoughts here. Like it just the whole thing was ridiculous. Basically, like it's seriously, it was dumb. But why? So after ridic. all this, it was ridiculous. So after all this, and we see the photo of, 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 of um, Troy Terry walking around with, with, his, with his face completely bent, damaged, his eye like bludgeoned, up to now with this Monday morning, I have not heard a peep from DOPS. You know, yeah, Trevor Zegers called. Trevor Zegers called. And I know, Trevor Zegers called for Jay Beagle to be, to be effing suspended. Nothing. We're not going to get anything. Nothing. I think it's ridiculous. I can't open this door. Like this is the year. It's just because this is a year where I've lost all handle on what I don't even know what's going on. Seriously. You see some games are so poorly officiated. You see lots of incidents that just never result in anything. Others, like I, I don't know what's happening. And I and I acknowledge those people really have hard jobs. Like I'm not, I'm not saying this is an easy matter. It's not their job to respond to Twitter pressure or like when people get fired up about something, but I really don't have an explanation. You know, like the Taylor Hall thing on the Leafs defenseman Labouche game. Like, I just, I don't know where the line is. I just don't. I like a gloved punch to a guy's face that knocks him out and, you know, he misses a couple games. Like, I don't understand why wouldn't that be suspension? There's other, anyway, I just can't open this door because I don't have any explanation. Like I'm supposed to be here to explain things. I don't know. Did you see last week there was supposed to be an AMA on Reddit 
with Wes McCauley and it got postponed. No, that's amazing. It got postponed. There was Wes McCauley recorded a whole video on Twitter being like, hey, you guys can ask me anything. And on the day it was supposed to happen, it got postponed. I'm, I'm sorry. I just I just want to bring this up for a second because and you can feel differently. If I'm an NHL GM, if I'm a member of the NHL, media, well, I mean, yes, I am a member of the NHL media, not in the PHWA, but I do get to go on Zooms or ask questions. If I want to ask the officials about something that happened in a game, and I don't necessarily have that opportunity to do so, but a ref, one of y'all refs gets to do an ask me anything on Reddit, I would be livid. I would, I would be calling the league office, whoever I need to call, and I would be berating whoever is on the phone. How dare you make a ref accessible to just random fans? But we, I mean, you could tell me if I'm wrong. It doesn't seem as if we get that same amount of access the same way for us. If I was a GM or a media person. I mean, See how GMs, ridiculous that is? The GMs can call Stephen Wacom, who's Wes McCauley's boss, who runs officiating. Fine. Like the GMs do get explanations, is my point, for for like behind the scenes on things that happen. It's just the public doesn't get the same explanation. That's that's the difference. And the public would be the conduit of a journalist, reporter, what have you, broadcaster. I guess, but it's just really interesting to me that they were going to do it, and then all of a sudden it didn't happen. Maybe there's a genuine reason for it, but it was just very very weird that that happened. And the only other thing I want to bring up with regards to fishing. I haven't been on Reddit in forever. Like Reddit's still a thing. Reddit Reddit still very much is a thing. Oh yeah. It's very much still a thing. Oh Did they ever talk about us there? I've seen our episodes posted up there a few times. Okay. All right. Yeah. But not on like any like like, kids, man. What's going on? I don't know. Uh, did you also, and we don't need to go into this if you didn't watch it, but apparently there was a big debate about fighting between Jennifer Botterill and Kevin BXL on, uh, I think on Hockey Night in Canada in light of everything that happened with uh, with Trevor Zegras. And it ended up turning into something a lot more nasty with people just putting up sexist comments about Jennifer Botterill, but we don't need to get into that. Uh, but did you see any of that? You Unfortunately, kind of I, didn't. I saw all this stuff. I saw the fallout on Twitter, but I didn't see the actual debate, so I don't. I don't know who said what exactly. I know the gist, but I, I don't know. I didn't watch the actual exchange. I'll say this, and this is, look, no shade to Sportsnet, no shade to Hockey Night in Canada, but that's something people were talking about all weekend. And maybe I'm not a good searcher. You could tell me that if I'm wrong. I could not find the clip of that back and forth. That's just something that is just, that should be easy for anyone to just clip up and put up online for people to see. And that should be something that could get, you know, people on the internet to watch your product. That's were just, there any were there any hurt feelings in it though? Like, did it get nasty or was it professional? It was just like a back and forth. It's just that there were people who like want to see fighting in the game or don't like how Jennifer Botterill is making her point or sounding, and they just wanted to just dump on Jennifer Botterill as opposed to making a sound argument that she might be wrong or she might be right. That's that's right. the gist of what I took from the back and forth between both of them. Okay, I mean, I worked with both of them, right? And I like them both, so it's it's a it's an awkward, but I actually didn't see it. I'm not, I'm not like the player is like, I didn't see that time my teammate threw a dirty hit and I can't talk about it. I actually just didn't see it. So no, no, but, and, and my point in all of this, and again, I could be proven wrong is that like, that should be an opportunity. That should be something that is plastered all over the internet. If I'm hockey night in Canada saying that's something that people are talking about all day, there's a discussion that could be had that should be up there for people to talk about. Yeah. 
And it's got to be online because not everyone's watching TV these days. Exactly. All right. We've covered most of the topics uh, that we want to get to. There's just this one. This is our Seinfeld episode, bud. This is a you show about nothing today. I don't know if it's actually about nothing because I think we actually got a lot of really interesting topics in. And that's before we got to ask CJ, which is the weekly segment we do on our Monday show where we're taking questions off of Twitter and Discord. Um, There's I'll a start bunch with of food questions. Like, and I have normally a normal amount of food questions. I don't know if you included any of them, but it was weird. There is there is a food question in here, which you know what? I'll I'll get into it from JRed548 on Twitter. Your favorite foods to eat when you're on one of your diets cleanses. <laughs> you mentioned a few episodes ago, looking for some healthier food ideas. Um, well, I, I, I'm looking, I'm not qualified to hand this out, but I would say if you want to do sort of like a cleanse or something, you could do worse in a week or two where you just cut out like all sugars, all alcohol, like don't eat bread, don't eat dairy. And then just have whole real foods. You know, that, that, that would be the thing. But again, I'm not a dietitian. That was what I was doing that, that couple of weeks into the trade deadline is I just basically was eating fresh vegetables, fish, meat, and, and no, no, no side, no processed foods essentially and no alcohol. So that's what I would say is a good place to start. Uh, I also like intermittent fasting. I don't, I don't tend to eat anything before noon. Most days I find that works for me. I feel better. I actually just, it's a lifestyle thing. It's not like a weight loss thing or something like that. So that, that would be what I would say. But again, this is, I'm a little, I'm playing outside of my sphere of expertise here, Julian. Chris Johnston is now a dietitian. Yes. Uh, from Lorenzo underscore P22 on Twitter. Hey, Chris and Julian, big fan of the podcast. Question for you, CJ, regarding running. Just curious on what kind of shoes you wear in the wintertime. To be honest, I don't run as much as I'd like to in the winter, mainly because of my lack of proper footwear. Any tips will be great. I've got a tip, and this is not a show sponsor. Um, there's these Nike Gore-Tex, I think they're called the Trail Pegasus Shoes, and they've got me through the last two winters. Like, they're awesome. They're incredibly waterproof. They're, they're almost like, if you ever had trail shoes for hiking, like, they're, they're, not as, they're not as giving as a normal running shoe would be, but in the winter, they're perfect because, obviously, you don't want to slide. And so I've had a couple pairs of those the last two winters, and they've got me through running outside in all conditions. You know, as I say, in, in, the run, in the winter, you just want to go slow, especially if it's snowy or icy, to slow your pace. It's about getting the exercise in. It's not about trying to set a personal best out there. And, and those shoes have been a savior for me. And as I say, not a show sponsor. I paid for them full price, and, and they were well worth the money. We got a question from uh, producer Drew. You may know from uh, working on uh, Steve Dangle's videos and uh, with Sportsnet. He works for the other guys. He does work for the other guys. Like the what's your dream? What's your dream final four in the Stanley Cup playoffs? The West is easy. Producer Drew is a Colorado Avalanche fan, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to see his Avalanche play the Flames. I think that would be a cool final four. I think that they're the best two teams in the West. And this is where my bias comes in, or my excitement. I am dreaming in my career at some point of covering an All Canadian Stanley Cup final. So in the East. I want to keep that alive. So I'm going to have Toronto there. I also just think it's about time. The narrative shifts. And I think Carolina, because here's the thing, like if, if I'm picking Toronto, I'm assuming they've come out of the Atlantic. I think Carolina would be intriguing. They've been on the rise. I think Freddie, the ghost of Freddie Anderson returning to Scotiabank arena would be kind of cool. 
we actually had in 2002 a Leafs uh, Hurricanes Eastern Conference Final. So there's some history. I remember there. that. I know it's not obvious. Like that wouldn't be the obvious pick. I mean, maybe you say Pittsburgh or something to have, you know, late career Sidney Crosby or something. But I think I think I'm going Leafs Hurricanes Avalanche Flames. But you know, there's a lot of other combinations that would be cool Final Four. So that's that's my personal one. And I'd love to see a Leafs Flames or Leafs Oilers Cup Final just because. As I said, I've covered a league a long time, and I'd love to see two Canadian teams in the final. Here's one from Scott Coleman. I think it'd be better for Los Angeles to finish third in the Pacific Division, being that they're a much better road team this season. Do you think home ice matters in a very tough-to-call L.A.-Edmonton series, a Gretzky series? That'd be cool. Yeah, I think home ice does matter. It matters especially if you get to Game 7. Like, I, I don't know that – earlier in the series, it necessarily matters. Like I've heard lots of teams actually say they like starting on the road. It's sort of your, your expectations are a little different when you start on the road. You're just trying to win one of the first two games. Truthfully, you're not worried about putting on a show. You're just trying to spoil the party a little bit. I think there can be some expectant pressure when you, when you start at home, but you want a winner take all game in your own building. You want last change for your coach in that situation. And so I, I will respectfully disagree with the premise here and say that, as good as the Kings have been on the road this season, they would want a must, you know, winner take all game for the year to be played at, at crypto.com arena. Uh, you know, this is a Bitcoin friendly podcast. From Mike underscore S four one two on discord NHL players are well known for their pregame routines and superstitions, but do you have any superstitions or pregame rituals you do before a big interview or broadcast? Good question. Um, I go for a run every day. <laughs> Yeah, that's part of that's part of, that's part of my routine, though. I mean, that's but I, I don't have a pregame routine. It's funny, I was recently thinking of this. So the first game I ever covered in the NHL was May 2002. Uh, I was a summer student at the Canadian Press, and like my whole life at that point, I've been building up to getting to do it. And I remember my routine. I was so nervous. This is back when your recorder had to be like an actual recorder. And I went and bought like an insane amount of batteries because I didn't want to have like the batteries run out on it. I like walked around all day thinking about the storylines and what I was going to do. Um, needless to say, I've, I've eased up over the years. So I don't have a huge routine. I do. Go, I like to get there early. Like I don't, I'm not one of these guys who's walking in when the warmups are on. Like I, I like to, to be there early. I like to have a slice of pizza <laughs> if they get, if they're serving it. Um, so that's not friendly to that previous diet for the earlier question. And yeah, you know, I just, I love being in the rink. I love being in the press box, seeing the scouts, you know, like it's the NHL is a small town. So it's just good to run into people and have a chat and then watch a game. I mean, it's look, it's a good life and, and it's a lot of fun, but I don't have like a specific routine. I'm not superstitious really with anything. Um, so I'm not like Sidney Crosby, like having the same piece of peanut butter and toast every day or whatever, you know, all that, that kind of thing. I go into the bell center, same entrance all the time probably try to get there about no, about like two hours before. Uh, that's basically it. Right. But you don't like tie it. your shoes a certain way or wear a certain yeah. tie or anything like that. Nah, nothing really. Beyond that, it's just, it's really just that. But that's a good question though. If it's a big uh, game, I like walking around the arena a bit too, like outside. Like I like sort of soaking mm, up yeah. that energy. Um, that's what was so hard. Like, like this is weird, but to go back to the Edmonton bubble, like I was walking to these games from my hotel to the Stanley Cup final. It's like there was nothing on the street. Like there's literally nobody. You're the only person. It was so weird because you're thinking like this game means so much. Like this is history. 
that that was strange. Like, I'm so glad we're beyond that time uh, because like this year, for sure, when I go to playoff games, I'm going to be feeling it in the city. Like, like it's whatever city I'm in. And, and that's, that's the fun of the job for me, the games and the energy. Like it's like free energy. You just like plug yourself in when you go to a game. It's amazing. I'm going to take one more off discord from Solomon. Can y'all finally give Jack Hughes his due? The devils suck, but he has had an elite season and he is only going to get better. We'll give him his due. He has had an awesome season. He had that overtime goal where he threw a stick in the crowd earlier in the year. He got injured, unfortunately, which maybe dampened it. Um, but he's finally become the kind of player that was expected of him. And I think that, that that's most important if you're the devil's big picture, right? Is that you get these number one overall picks. They're not all built the same. Um, but, you know, clearly Jack Hughes is, is, is a real one. They gave him a big contract this year. He's going to be in New Jersey a long time. And, and, that team, things are going to get better. I mean, it's hardly a hot take, but this this was a disappointing year. I think they're expected to take off this season. Probably more likely to happen next year. All right, and that's going to Buffalo's do it. Taken off too. We didn't. We haven't given Buffalo oh, on the pod, but like they look like a actually. Real team. What's What's funny is just in the interest of time, there was a question that asked about the Buffalo Sabers. I can we can get into it if you if you if you feel you want to add some extra stuff. But someone named Slapple on Twitter said, "Is it just me? Or do the Buffalo Sabers look like a team finally heading into the right direction?" And and there's some truth to that. Not just him. Honestly, I went to that Heritage Classic outdoor game in Hamilton a couple weeks back. And I was watching him and I was like, wow, like no one's really, I mean, look at Buffalo has just crushed hopes for like a decade. So I get exactly. it. Like everyone's a little, maybe like gun shy to say, Hey, they finally figured something out, but I, I think they figured something out. And, and obviously they got Owen power coming. Uh, they got Quinn coming from the, the minors. Like they, they've got some players in the pipeline and the guys they have on their team, Peyton Krebs looks good. They've gotten the Jack Eichel trade. Obviously Alex Tuck's been a good addition. That team's got some, they're building back some pride there and it's about time. I, I want to see the Sabres be good. I think they have some of the better, better. Th- when you look good, you play good. And the Buffalo Sabres have some of the better threads in the league and they should be playing well and looking good at the same time. Not just one or not just one or the other. I need some I new to give threads. It to, you need some new threads. You're saying. Yeah. Okay. I got to look good well, to play good. You know? I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I think you shopping spree. Maybe Julian. I mean, yeah. You know, uh, do your thing for short King spring. You know what I'm saying? I know. Is, is it still Short King Spring? It's still spring, so I, I think it's still your season. Did you invent this, or is this an actual thing? You're the one who put it in the group chat. You came you, up with this. You introduced Short King Spring to us. I'm sure of it. I thought it, because you you used the term, you know what, it probably have to go back to that Short Kings episode. Uh, or maybe I did do it. I don't know. Maybe I forget these things sometimes. No one in our group chat is like 5'10 or above, except for Jesse Blake. Jesse Blake. Looking up at that man. Like he, you're, imagine you're we that play basketball with Jesse, like our whole, like everybody else in the SDPN and Jesse, he'd just be like swatting away. He'd be like the Kemi Motombo in here. Just like bam, 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 bam. Do you, do you remember when I was in town and we did that episode in Adam's basement and we were leaving the house and we saw Jesse walking out in this like expensive blue, like feathered coat. Yeah, Dude was, looked like a blue big bird. I haven't been able to get that image out of my mind. He looks so baller. Like he, that was, that's cold. Like Jesse Blake, I don't know how this GM thing is working out for him on, on that series he's doing on Twitch, but he's definitely wearing the threads he should be wearing as a GM. Jesse Blake is that dude. When I grow up, I want to be Jesse Blake. I think that's a good way to end this podcast. Well done, CJ. This was a marvelous Monday edition of the Chris Johnston show. 
Yeah, thanks for entertaining me. It was fun to just be goofy again. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you for entertaining me, and thank you for entertaining everyone who listens to this podcast, which in your view might be nothing, but uh, we do okay in terms of the numbers on a weekly basis, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on any other podcast platform like a Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon Music or Google Podcasts or anything like that. Uh, Be sure to uh, join the SDPN Discord as well. Go to sdpn.ca. And uh, you can find the Discord link there. If you want to be a host of Game Over, it is expanding. sdpn.ca slash careers is the website you need to go to. Check out the other podcasts on the network as well. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand spanking new episode of The Chris Johnston Show. For CJ, I'm Julian saying so long and peace. Great ad read on the European Wax. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK McKenzie. 